Welcome to Burn It All Down, the sports podcast you need. It's Amira here, and I am thrilled to be joined by Kristen Laffis, who um, I actually went to high school with, but more importantly, is the director of Dream On, the latest documentary about the 1996 uh, Dream Team women's basketball team that took on the world and many other things. Um, available now on ESPN, ESPN Plus, all those entities. Uh, Kristen is the director and producer at Words and Pictures, a twice-time, a two-time Emmy Award-winning producer um, for sports documentaries like Dream On, which we are here to talk about today because it was so amazing. Kristen, thank you so much for joining Burn All Down. You are very sweet for having me, and it's a pleasure. And I'm so anytime I can connect with old high school um, <laughs> friends, it's always a fun, a fun thing. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. So first and foremost, what was it like to make this documentary with all of these amazing women? Like you just start seeing all of the personalities involved on that team and in this film, in this documentary, like. Was this like a dream come true to make this? It 1,000% is. I keep telling people, like, I'm never going to be able to top making a film about my childhood idols. And it's you're supposed to stay, you know, unbiased in these roles as as directors and journalists. Um, but I, and I said this to Brian Lockhart, who's the the VP of original programming at ESPN. When he asked me how some of the shoots went, I was like, I, I had to ask Cheryl for, for a picture after we did the interview. Right. Like I, I just had to do it. I'm sorry. I know I'm not supposed to, but like, these are my idols, Lisa Leslie and Don Staley, who grew up in Philly, like right where I grew right. up. It was just like, it was surreal. It was amazing. Um, and it was, honestly, the most fun thing that I've ever done. Like people talk about, um, you know, what's the most rewarding project. And there are so many things that I've done that I'm, I'm very connected to the subject matter and the subjects. But this one was just fun. Like these, these women yeah. are awesome. They're all so um, such big personalities and getting to sit down with each of them for, you know, two, three hours and just talk about that year was an incredible experience. That seems amazing. I, I know. Um, it's so hard when you like have to be professional and also you're fangirling. I yep. just <laughs> saw Lisa, of course, at the ESPYs and I was like, hi. OK, so and she's like asking me how to say something. And I was like, uh-huh. Yes. Like, I'm a professional. I can like talk to you. But also I'm just like screaming internally that you like even it's it's really weird. It's unbelievable. And <laughs> right. it doesn't it never changes. Right. It never changes. Like I've, I've been in this business for 13 years and um Again, like I see these these women and I'm just like, whoa, this is this exactly. is wild. But they're also exactly. also down to earth. And I'm sure yeah. you saw with Lisa, who's like one of my favorite people in the world. We're like text friends now. Like yeah. they're just they're just human beings, right? Like they're yeah. just um and they're just so much more approachable and relatable than a lot of the male athletes oh, that yeah. I feel like we have to cover. So Yeah. I mean, and that's one of the things that's so great about this documentary. We've seen like obviously we've we did the last dance and now the captain is out and Tom Brady has, I don't know, what, 12 episodes of Man in the Arena or something outrageous. And so we've seen these like big romantic biopics of these individual men. And something that really stuck out to me about Dream On was that we got a collective retrospective. It was everybody. And actually the strength was 
in getting all of these glimpses of people and their story and their personalities. And we would see Dawn in Philly, right? We went to, you know, Venus, everything with Venus made me cry, full disclosure. But like all of those moments where we got bits of individuals, but also the thing was about the collective, just really to me puts it apart from a lot of the kind of hagiography in real time that's happening about that. Was it daunting to think about how you were going to piece together all of these individual personalities and stories and the collective narrative as well? First of all, I appreciate you acknowledging um, that it was the collective experience because that was a really important thing for me. Um, early on when we were you know, putting together a list of potential interview subjects and we were putting the budget together, I just told my management that it was really, really important to me to interview all 12 women that were on that mm-hmm. team, as well as Coach Vanderveer. Um, and, you know, with stories like this, it's, it's always like, okay, well, who are the biggest names? Like, like we got to prioritize for budgetary, you know, reasons yeah. or just because it's just too hard to get that many voices into one film. Um, a little fact that I haven't let anybody in on is that uh, this was commissioned as a 77-minute film. Mm. Obviously, it ended up being uh, much longer than that, almost double in length, and ended up being three a three-part documentary series. And from the beginning, I kind of had it in my mind. I was like, this is going to be longer than 77 right. minutes. I was like, I'm not going right. to tell anybody that to like sound the alarms. And you never want to like say that before you've shot a frame yeah. of video, right? But in my heart of hearts, I was like, there are so many rich stories and storylines that go so far beyond just like the journey on the court during that that 13, 14 months that I was like, I, I know this is going to be more than that. So I pushed really, really hard to make sure that we talked to all 12 women. We went to wherever they are located now. So we literally went all around the country interviewing these women over the, the course of six months. And it was really apparent to me early on that it was like, Dawn's voice is going to be as important as Venus Lacey's voice is going to be as important as Rebecca Lobo's voice. And so it was, it was like each of them have their own truths and were such a huge part of that year, no matter what their status is in the world of basketball now, that I want to make sure that this is a very balanced film in terms of the voices we hear from. Um, And it is daunting because you want to make sure you're giving everybody their time to share their story. And I'm sure that, you know, listen, you can't make everybody happy. And I'm sure there are some women that felt like maybe they deserved a little more screen time. But um, I felt proud with kind of our ability to tell each of their individual journeys. Well, I'm so glad you pushed for the length because it really did justice to those voices. I mean, even the opening shots, starting with Venus and, and her son and especially if everybody who is watching isn't familiar with her journey. You can see, though, that there is something monumental that they're remembering and that it's Mm -hmm. hard. And then just like that opening line of I want to remember everything and having her kind of be the bookends of this was just so sweet to me. Like it it really resonated. Um, But I think that one of the things I really liked about it was exactly what you said. Everybody's journey has been different. They're all kind of spread out. And some of these names we know and they exist in basketball, especially at a moment where women's basketball is really um, having such increased visibility Mm -hmm. and command of the stage they're on. And I think there was like at one hand being um, getting to see all the other ways that people interacted with the game and and 
sometimes you're like, oh, I didn't realize she was still coaching or, oh, this is what she's doing. That's really interesting. But also just like, as we've come to know them now, it's really great to sit. And I mean, obviously I'm a historian, but like being able to sit with the past in real time. And like, I was like flooded with these images of things I knew. I knew Dawn played for Tara. Like these are I know these things, but it's different watching how you presented it to think about like, wow, it must be wild coaching against a coach that you played for. And it was like hard or it must be wild if you're Rebecca Lobo calling Stanford's games. And you start to think about all of the journeys not only individuals had, but their relationships have had both publicly and privately. You know, what did you have to kind of put off of your mind about our contemporary women's basketball moment to go into making this film? Yeah, I mean, it's such an interesting question. I, too, am such a nerd for the history of the game and how yeah. it's evolved. And um, I think for, for forever, I've always felt like this team is the hidden figures of, of basketball. And I feel like mm-hmm. they haven't gotten their credit and they haven't gotten, you know, um, just the amount of just recognition that they should from current players in the game now. Dawn yeah. Staley always says this. She's like, my players right now don't, they didn't know before this film what we went through, what we sacrificed in Wild, order yeah. for them to be able to play in an NBA, in order for them to get sponsorships now. Um, and so it was just so important for me. And of course, I can't, like, the footage, the footage that the NBA captured during that year, the fact that they committed to sending beautiful, high, high high-end, expensive cameras that shot film, not video, film, for 12 months and committed to that team at a time when people weren't committing to women's sports in that way, I think is remarkable. And the fact that they captured 500 hours of never-before-seen footage and that 500 hours was literally like dumped on my lap and was like, here you go. It's like a gift from the documentary gods, literally. I mean, it's literally a documentarian's dream, but it's also like, I imagine 500 hours is like too many riches. Like, what do you do with it? I feel like we need a part four, five, six. It's like the lost tapes, the lost tapes of Dream On. And I could absolutely do that because I have it all logged. And when (laughs) it was very, very daunting, like I had an, an exceptional team. It was not a big team, but there was like a group of six of us. And we literally last summer, we were like, okay, each of us has to get through Every single night after the workday is over, we we have to get through mm-hmm. two hours each of this footage because, like, we'll never put a dent in this if we don't all right. just start to, like, ch- like, chip in. And we had a really good system of, like, when we found something that we thought was, you know, like a hidden treasure or gem, like, we had a certain way of, like, you know, starring that so I could go back and, and watch it, um, obviously, as I'm putting the script together. But um, I'll, I'll just say that the, the 500 hours of footage we were able to really bring to life the dynamics between Tara, let's say, and Dawn Staley. Whereas, like, you can tell people a million times, Dawn Staley played for Tara Vanderveer on the 1996 team. It's different to tell somebody that than it is to show somebody that and actually see that dynamic unfolding. And clearly, like, Dawn was, you know, the jokester that was always trying to get under Tara's skin. But you were able to see that dynamic as opposed to, like, somebody telling you about that, which I think is so much more powerful. Um, and so that, you know, we just got really fortunate and lucky with with that footage. And once we saw that we had that, I was like, OK, now I think this actually has a chance to be something really special. Mm. You know, I, I like that because it's such it's like the production piece is such 
like a, a, a group puzzle where you're bringing in all these elements. And I just finished up a narrative podcast on black girls in gymnastics. And, you know, my amazing producer, uh, Kelly Hardcastle Jones had this like wizard's ability to like we're talking in real time and we're talking about like how stale the gymnastics tours were before and she finds the perfect clip of like the deadpan line announcer says and I imagine you know I think about the moments that really resonated when people are discussing wrestling with what the image of the team is and their own personal style and their own image and it cuts to Dawn being uncomfortable right wearing something it's just a quick clip but like it resonates and it sticks with you in a way and it's amazing what you and your team were able to compile you know sifting through all that because there are so many directions you could have taken it in and I think that you just like floated just enough for the words and the pictures to like do that synergy that like everybody reaches for it was really brilliant it honestly was Thank you. Thank you. And it's that wasn't a question. I'm just like, really excited. <laughs> I'm really bad at taking positive feedback. Compliments. Too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. No, but it was awesome. So the other thing that I was thinking about is this thing about memory mm. and remembering. And obviously I thought about that a lot through Venus. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought about that a lot through like Coach Summon as well, like Coach Stringer and just like the ways in which we have these voided memories and you have individuals who really embody that and like what that moment of remembering means now Mm. means today in a time where you know the 96 olympics the last olympic cycles a few things that came out about it thinking about the summer of women but also just for where women's basketball is and where it could be going because on one hand and this is like very a title 90 anniversary year thing you're like, wow, look how far, look how different it is. And on the other hand, there's tape that doesn't feel different. Mm. There's tape that feels like it could be from last week. 1,000%. So like we're looking back and sometimes it feels like we're just looking at a circle. What does it feel like to to try to you know do this film in this moment? Yeah, I think it was a really important moment to tell this story because we did have, as you mentioned, it's the 50-year anniversary of Title IX, and so people were paying attention to female stories and to, you know, recognizing those stories for the first time in a long time, I feel like. And so yeah. I think it was the perfect time for this story to be told and for it to gain the the traction that it did. But I also think it's a really important moment to tell this story because again, like you just said, the awareness of, oh my gosh, like the facilities that women's sports have versus men's sports, that really hasn't changed very much. Right. The idea of like chartered flights and private jets to and from games, like that hasn't changed yet either. Like, yeah, maybe they're not sitting in coach and middle class, you know, in a middle seat, but, but like- an economy class. It's like not that much It's like, it really hasn't changed that much. And so like my hope with this film was to also have some people really like reflect on where are we 25 years later? And yeah. where do we need to be 25 years from now? You know what I mean? Exactly. Like it, And, you know, Dawn Staley is wiser than anyone I've ever met in my life. And she said this at, um, we had a premiere at Madison Square Garden for the film on June 9th. Yeah. And we did a panel afterwards. And she was like, I'm appreciative of ESPN giving me and my, t- my former teammates this platform to share our story. But the fact that this is the first multi-part documentary that, ESPN has done on female athletes 
the fact that we're having any firsts in the year 2022 is just is despicable ridiculous. and ridiculous. And like, I'm calling you guys out. And it was just so funny because I'm like, yeah. thank you for saying that because it's the truth. It's like, we're so proud of this like three part documentary series that we had to push for. And kudos to my bosses who said yes right away. Like, I, I don't right. think it's, but but it's just crazy to think that we've been telling 30 for 30s now for, you know, almost Very 13 long. years I, and we didn't yeah. have a multi-part on female athletes. Like, what? It's ridiculous. So, yeah. yeah. So, anyways, I just felt like this was the perfect moment in time to finally get this story out um, and have it gain the most traction. Now, what was it like to get, you know, them together again? Like, because that feels like a moment. It absolutely was. Uh, the reunion scene was incredibly emotional um, for them. And honestly, for me as like a bystander, having yeah. interviewed all of them before that moment, right? And then seeing them come together and understanding the dynamics that they shared with me in the interviews and mm. then seeing them play out. Um, and Lisa Leslie, like just acknowledging the fact that like, we were so young and so naive yeah. and we didn't even realize like what each of us was going through in our own personal lives because in that moment in time, people weren't open about their mental health. People weren't right. open about the marriage. yeah, their marriages yeah. and, you know, all of the things that they were dealing with off the court. And so I think the reason that the reunion to me is a really important moment um, for the end of the film is for all of them to kind of acknowledge that 25 years later that, you know, we didn't handle things maybe the best way that we could. We didn't offer Venus the support that you needed through these yeah. years. Um, you know, Venus was very, very quiet about the actual um, amnesia and the brain trauma that she she experienced after that mm. that accident. She's embarrassed. She was embarrassed of it. She yeah. said to me, she goes, Kristen, I haven't done an interview and since the accident um, because mm. I was just too afraid to admit that, you know, my vulnerabilities and um, – and so I think the fact that this film was able to touch on some of those emotions and feelings that I don't think have been shared publicly um, was also really important to me. And I'm so grateful that the women let their guard down because that's not easy either, um, either to say. It's not easy. You know, like Jennifer Azey saying, like, I don't know why I waited till 2016 to come out. Like, right. you know, like that's not an easy thing to say for her. Um, it's not easy to reflect. And it's not no. even to reflect in front of cameras exactly. or in front of a room full of people that you, you know, did so much and grew so much with. Yep. But I think it's really special that we got a glimpse of that, of that process of, you know, sitting there and, and collectively reflecting and individually doing that work as well. Every deep playoff run starts with building an amazing team. Doing the same for your business doesn't take a room full of scouts. You just need Indeed. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Hate waiting? Indeed's US data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Something I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because with virtual interviews, Indeed saves you time. You can message, schedule, and interview top talent all in one place. Indeed knows that when you're growing your business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why when you sponsor a job, you only pay for quality applications from resumes in our database matching your job description. Visit indeed.com slash blue wire to start hiring today. Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. 
Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What was the biggest surprise for you when doing this? The biggest surprise. I mean, there were a lot of surprises. I, (laughs) first of all, no one knew where Venus was. No one had Mm. any contact information for her. Uh, We honestly didn't. I said earlier that we wanted to interview all 12 players. We had interviewed 11, and I didn't think we would get her. She was the last interview we did. Mm. You know, as a filmmaker, you are always kind of moving pieces around in your head of, like, how I want to start the movie, where I want it to go, and, like, what's the payoff, and, and, you know, what do I want people to leave with, and all of those things. And it's, like, the thing that I tell young people that are coming up and trying to do this is, like, never be married to, like, your outline or what you think. Right coming into this because like we didn't we didn't know Venus's story it wasn't public and so sitting down with her and asking her questions about her experiences that year and her giving me really generic answers and then seven minutes into the interview breaking down and saying Kristen the reason that I'm giving you these answers is because I really don't remember the only thing that I have is that my son created the scrapbook for me to try to you know spark my memory and just make me feel like I was a part of something. And once I heard that, I was like, oh my gosh, like that is absolutely like that's yeah. Like we have to go down and see the scrapbook and film with Alex, uh, Venus's son. And, and so then it all just kind of clicks and comes together in that way. It's amazing. Right. Cause you have to, I mean, that's the work is, is finding the people, but then also creating an environment in which they can be vulnerable because then you realize you're getting these new levels of things that haven't been shared before. And I know I always say like, that's the kind of high I chase of like somebody saying, I've never said this before, but cause you have no idea what doors are going to open through these new revelations. So that sounds like quite the moment. Absolutely. Another um, surprise and that I, I feel like my whole team was like so thrilled about yeah. was sometimes, you know, you go through and I've, I've, I've done this on certain films and projects. It's like, you set up in your mind the potential for an interview and sometimes you're just disappointed. Like yeah. you come back and you're, and you know, someone asks, how did it go? And you're like, it was okay. Like, <laughs> right. you know, ah, and maybe there were a few little moments in there that were really like, you know, eye opening, but overall it was like kind of generic. And I, I just didn't know how open and authentic and candid these women were going to be. And when I saw, like, I interviewed Rebecca Lobo first. She was the first interview I ever did. And she walked into the interview and she was like, you know, I was talking to my husband on the way over here. And I was like, I've never been fully truthful about my experience at you. Mm. Should I lie or should I just tell the, tell, the, tell her the truth? I, and thank God for her husband. He was like, no, 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 Rebecca, like, you. This and is the I don't time know to if, tell, yeah. Exactly. I don't know if it's like. You know, 25 years, 30 for 30 has a great model, right? We tell retrospective stories because sometimes that time passing opens people up to to reflecting and being more honest with themselves about how they were back then, how they are now and their experiences. But man, I mean, her interview, she was just so honest um, about her experiences. And once we got that one in the can and Carla McGee, who's like one of my Mm -hmm. favorite people in the world, she just, I literally had to like turn my microphone off when I was interviewing her because I was just laughing the whole time. (laughs) And I didn't want to like, I literally didn't want to ruin the sound. I was like, just, just cut my, like, I just need to, um, (laughs) but anyways, once I got through those and I was like, I'm getting really reflective sound, I'm getting emotional sound and I'm getting hilarious, charismatic, funny moments. It's like, 
you know, the sound is 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 what makes yeah. these films, and I feel like they were all um, kind of exceeded my expectations. That's amazing. Is there anything that you hope people pick up on that you want to like highlight from it that like you haven't heard, or are people getting what you set out to do? I think people are getting it. Yeah, um, that's a good I job. Then. <laughs> I, I mean, like, I, I don't know. Like, the, the the biggest thing for me was when I was making this. Like, I didn't want it to be considered a women's sports film. Right. I wanted it just to be considered a sports film, right? I wanted whoever turns this on, whether they're a fan of of women's basketball or not, to be riveted by the story and and the accomplishments of what these women did, and and really look back when they when they finish the film and say wow, I knew nothing about this yeah. team. And, like, they made me a fan of women's basketball. They made me a fan of that team. And, like, the the sacrifices. And I think people are acknowledging the sacrifices. Maybe it is because of the 50-year anniversary of Title yeah. IX that people are willing to go to that. But just, again, you brought up the scene uh, in the dress shop when they were taken to, like, a um, Nicole Miller, like, boutique yeah. in the mall and, like, forced into these, like – terrible dresses um and just like that moment alone I think the takeaway of like the NBA and you know all of the other people trying to market them trying to kind of fit them into this really narrow box box. yeah and them just like not knowing and almost sacrificing a little piece of themselves for the betterment and the advancement of the game and saying and feeling that pressure to do it exactly exactly like I think that's something that I, I was really hoping was gonna was going to be taken from people who watch the film. And I think that that's resonating um, in, in, a, in an impactful way, I think. <laughs> yeah. No, it was something really important. There's a line that I wrote for the ESPYs that said, um, you know, we stand on beautiful broad shoulders. Um, I love that. Heavy from the burdens they carry, cracking ceilings for us. And that's exactly what I was thinking of, right, in my head of like the ways that we have glimpses of people. Where we might say, oh, they conformed to this or they did this without acknowledging like the pressure to like give yourself over for what you know to be true. And when we talk about that precarity of all of these early leagues and the WNBA, of course, stands alone in its tenure of women's professional league here. But that that burden of being perfect so it can continue, mm. of being everything the sport needs you to be, um, and then paving way for people walking past who don't even know this, like Donna's saying about her student, her, her, her players, like not even realizing where these shifts have happened and then giving that moment back to them to say, who are you now? Because I think once you get so used to being a box, it's hard to break out of it at whatever big age you turn. And so there was a glimpse for me, the pieces that we got to see of that, of these like burdens, but also the, the, you know, creations that came out of them and the way that people are still wrestling with who they get to be Mm -hmm. um, and how they get to show up. Some people have to leave the sport entirely to do that. Some people reinvent themselves three times over and seeing that process um, was something that I love. And by the way, the way that you articulated that it at the SBs was like in the most beautiful and eloquent way. You have like such a gift um, for doing that um, in such a short you know, little package. So Very short. <laughs> I, I got chills when I was watching. I was like, Whoa. thank you. I was like, uh, we're going to do what in seven? Okay. <laughs> um, but no, I think that that's one of the things that really sticks out about this work for me is that we get all of these things. Like I know I will teach it in my classes because it's uh, one of these 
um, films that there's so many pieces to it that helps us build forward while looking back. And I think that that's a really impressive feat. Well, I appreciate you saying that. It's funny that you bring that up because there was one and I don't want to like, I'm so appreciative for any, any person that's willing to watch the movie and review yeah. it, but there was a, a review in the wall street journal and um, it was ultimately very, very positive. But there was this one line, of course, I'm like just such a um, perfectionist that I like, you know, took this to heart. Hold on. But to it was it, like yeah. um, they should have stayed on the court, like, you know, the the off ramps to the personal backstories like Ruthie Bolton's were just so unnecessary. And like I have no. a gripe with that. And I took that personally because I was like, I you could say whatever you want. I totally disagree with that. And I think that that's what exactly. gave the film heart and soul and made it so different than a lot of the other 30 for 30s we've done that kind of do stay primarily on the on the court or the field. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, everyone has their it's opinions. like, are we still doing this? <laughs> like, we need to be so beyond this. Like, more than an athlete. Like, we've how many times have people said this at this yeah. point? Because what you're hap- what's happening over here is coming onto the court yep. with you. Like, it's just so undeniable. That person can just go somewhere. <laughs> um, no, I thought that that was... I mean, my husband is not, like what you were saying before, for the lay fan. My husband will maybe watch something if I have it mm-hmm. on. But he was enthralled. He watched all three parts. He started watching the first part. And he was like, then I'm going to get back to work. And he watched all three parts straight through. And then when it got to the end, when you guys are giving updates on screen, he was like, oh, really? Oh, you know, I could see him Googling people. (laughs) And I'm like, that's what you want. You know, it's like planting the seeds to go and, and be invested in your own way. Okay, so what is, if you had to do like a director's take, and you got to include more things. There's something that ended up on the cutting floor that you're still like, oh, I need that to be in the film. Or you feel good about where you ended up. Yeah. So it's definitely a little mixture of both. I do feel like you almost have this um, once you like lock in the film and you have to kind of just be at peace, right, with what you've made. With, and so yeah. you kind of do like part of your brain erases some of the stuff that you left on the cutting room floor because like you don't want to yeah. like keep going back to it. There are, of course, a few things that I like absolutely wish. I, I wish that we could have gone into more depth um, with more of the women's personal stories. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Venus um, at Louisiana Tech was like a beast. Yeah. And like we didn't even acknowledge yeah. her like college career. And like she was coming into that team, she was one of the best players in the world. And I, I just don't think yeah. that like we were able to like really give people, like we obviously mentioned it, but we weren't able to give that full backstory of like she, for example, um, had this really rare um, physical disability where she had braces on her legs and she could barely walk until she was eight years old. Her brother actually used to have to give her a piggyback ride to school every day. Mm. And um, she just like really worked through, worked through and ended up like being able to like walk without the braces and then run and then like become one of the best. But anyways, that's like something that's like such a small thing, but I feel like it it gives another layer to her story and like how incredible of a person and a human being she is. Um, You know, there was this one story that Tara Vanderveer, this is probably the hardest cut um, that Tara Vanderveer shared with us. And it was a year to the day before the gold medal game. Tara went for a run. And she came back and was in the shower and she had a panic attack and Mm. she like fell to her knees in the shower and was shaking. And she basically had this thought like, what if I fail my country and what if I'm not good enough to pull this off? And it was a really vulnerable moment for a woman that um, 
doesn't really let her guard down very often. Yeah. Um, and then she said she got out, she toweled off, and she wrote on a piece of paper, like, I am the right woman for this job. And, and like, we mm. are going to win a gold medal. And she said that the second that she wrote that down, she never had another doubt. And it was such a cool story. And she said it on camera. Yeah. And it's just like, you have to make tough cuts. It was like a six-minute yeah. chunk that, like, we just had to – but that one hurt. That really hurt. That one. So what I'm hearing is we need the extended director's <laughs> yes, cut version yes. of Dream On, a part four. Absolutely. And more <laughs> of what they're doing now. I spent so much time oh filming God, with each yeah. of them. And, you know, Jennifer Hazy and her wife are doing, like, crazy awesome work for the Las Vegas Aces and the Oakland Raiders. Um, like, there's just so much more yeah, there. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's crazy. Oh, my God. So now we need a part four, five, six <laughs> so we can do – because I really think that, like – you could go so much further forward yes. now that we have all these backstories and do such rich work. So now, look, I'm like giving you more work to do. I'm like, here's your next I'm project. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was absolutely amazing to to catch up with you about this and to see what um, you were able to do. It's no small feat to do a project like this. And with a lot of expectations, it's almost like you're your own kind of inheriting your own burden and like, giving visibility to something that has been overlooked. And a lot of people who are in the the women's basketball community had such high expectations and you exceeded them. Oh. And that's not easy to do either. <laughs> so, I Thank mean, you. great work all around. Uh, what are you up to next? Vacation, sleep, uh, relaxation, or back into I work? I am <laughs> um, actually already um, directing something else. I can't. It's in the very, very early stages, so I'm not we allowed love to, secrets. to yes. say it yet. But um, it's a yeah. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. It's very different than what this story is, and so it's challenging yeah. me in an entirely different and new way. Um, but it's a good, it's a good way. Um, it's a lot of international shooting. So I actually leave um, for Europe next week for two weeks. Ooh. So, um, but I'll keep you updated, obviously. Uh. Obviously, and now all our flamethrowers will be watching and waiting with bated breath as well. Uh, now that they know it's going to be fire, whatever you touch. So that's really exciting. And we love international work trips. They're like my favorite the thing. I'm like, oh yes, I do have to go to the uh, Olympic archives in Luzon. Of there, were, course. there was a point where I was, and you'll appreciate this, where I was like pitching like stories that were only abroad, and my boss yeah. called me out. He's like, these these are great pitches, <laughs> but like, are you just trying to get some trips to <laughs> exactly? <laughs> well, this is like going through grad school as a American historian, and like I was always in like. Tuskegee, Alabama, doing research, and all my friends were French historians. Oh my god, it was miserable. <laughs> so I was like, I have to get smarter about this. So the last chapter of my book is like in Hawaii, and then the Olympic archives. It really leaned into needing to go. I to love it. I love it. Well, I am a huge, huge fan of you and your work. So I'm thank oh honored gosh. that you um, you asked me to be on. Thank you. Absolutely, and and I encourage everybody to check out Dream On. Like I said, it is streaming now. All three parts, go ahead, load it up, uh, watch it, get into it. Um, where can people follow your work, follow what you're doing, keep up with, um, you know, what, what you got going on? Yeah. So I, I have an Instagram, I have a Twitter, um, all Lapis K if you search that. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I usually, I, I try to keep people updated on, on those two, um, social media is not, not great with Facebook. I need to get better with that. Well, who's, who's on Facebook, right? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So please go follow and support Kristen's work. It's amazing. 
amazing. Check out Dream On if you haven't already. I know a lot of you have. Um, feel free to send us messages. Add on what you loved about the documentary and what you want to see in the director's cuts that we are now totally going to make happen. Um, it was such a pleasure to have you on Burn It All Down. Thank you. Thank you so much again. That's it for this episode of Burn It All Down. This episode was produced by Tressa Versteg. Shelby Weldon, of course, is on our webs and socials. Burn It All Down is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Listen and subscribe. Rate the show wherever you listen to podcasts. For show links and transcripts, please check out our website, burnitalldownpod.com. You'll also find a link there to our merch at our bonfire store. Um, and thank you to our Patreons. You uh, continue to mean the world to us. If you want to become a donor to our show, visit patreon.com slash burn it all down. Burn on, but not out. And we'll see you next week, flamethrowers.